talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me directly, you can do so via email, charlierobinson at tntradio.live. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions, or you can catch my show Macroaggressions in audio format wherever podcasts are served. Let's start with some headlines for today, Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. Iceland volcano erupts near Grundvik after weeks of earthquakes. Uh, no truth to the rumor that John Kerry was there to lecture it about its carbon footprint. Um, anthropogenic climate change is what they're worried about. Man-made. They don't. They don't worry too much about the uh, the volcanoes because they can't control them and tax them. Um, Tennessee slaps BlackRock with first of its kind consumer protection lawsuit over ESG scam. That according to Zero Hedge. Reminds me of when Larry Fink, um, head of BlackRock, perfect name by the way, uh, said that markets don't like uncertainty, markets like totalitarian governments. Well, Larry, people don't. People don't like totalitarian governments. But of course, you wouldn't know that you're not a, a human being. From Gateway Pundit, 54% of Democrats want to replace Joe Biden as the 2024 Democrat nominee. Joe and Jill reportedly frustrated. Um, so the guy with brain worms is mad that you don't like him and his uh, hooker addicted crack addict son as well, right? Is this is this the so I I'm curious, what about the 43% that do want him? We should probably have a talk with them. I think those are more concerning to me than the other way around. And finally from Zero Hedge, British intelligence hate HQ asked council if it can fly trans and autism flags. I know what you're thinking. There's a flag for autism? Why? Uh, why is there a flag for transgenderism? Where's my flag? Where's my flag? That's what I would like to know. Where is my flag for, uh, for sanity? What about the people that are done with the woke nonsense? Can, can we make a, a flag for those? It, it just says, leave me alone with maybe a big middle finger, something like a Gadsden flag. Instead of a snake, it has a, a normal looking brain that isn't rainbow colored and filled with sprinkles or something like that. Where is the sanity flag, I ask? Uh, look, stop celebrating how marginalized you think you are. That's what losers do. If you want to snap out of this, you've got to break this victim mentality. It, the victimization decathlon is weird and it's disgusting and it doesn't make anybody want to help you out. It just makes people feel kind of sorry for you and dismiss you. It's, um, you know, frankly, get over yourself, really. The British intelligence agency should actually stick to what they do best, which is, of course, lying to the world, starting indiscriminate wars and enslaving colonies around the country. At least they used to do that. Now they just do it with their banks, their, their offshore banking colonies. So the British intelligence agency, HQ, you go fly your trans and autism flags all you want. But you know what's, who's not flying the British flag anymore? 
all of your colonies because you've lost control of them. Hey, at TNT Radio, we never go home. We are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. We've got you covered on TNT Radio. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A host of nations are joining forces with the United States as part of a new security initiative to ensure safe naval passage through a critical trading route located in the Red Sea. Here with the story. Joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, this is a great topic for us to start off with because um, I've got my first guest who's going to be talking about this. What did you find about what's happening in the Red Sea? This seems alarming to me. It feels a little bit, I'm just gonna say it, it feels a little Gulf of Tonkin-ish to me. If I didn't know any better, I would I would think that they're setting the, the pieces in place for maybe a false flag, what have you found? Maybe. Um, well, there there is a, a lot to consider here because um, during the the scamdemic, the sh- I'm sorry, the shamdemic. I mean the 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 con job. I mean, yeah, the the thing that took place. We saw that there was a, an extra strain or a problem placed on the supply chain, and we all had to deal with that. And we we learned something about the repercussions and the ripple effects and all of that when it comes to this kind of stuff. And we might be running into that issue again because there's something like a whopping twelve percent of global trade running through the Suez Canal and in this area of the world. Uh, and there has been increased hostilities courtesy of the Houthis, the, Ho- the Houthis. Uh, so uh, now we have the United States stepping up and announcing this huge, like, multinational naval force that they want to put together, um, an operation with a fancy-sounding name. Uh, I had it at the tip of my tongue, Operation Prosperity Guardian Ooh, doesn't that sound fancy? Uh, so <laughs> the uh, the official report is that over the last few weeks, um, as I alluded to, Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen have claimed responsibility for multiple attacks on commercial ships passing through the vital shipping corridor that separates Yemen from East Africa, leading to the Red Sea and the Suez Canal in the north. To counter the threat posed by the rebels, I guess they're not called terrorists yet, Uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin announced in a December 18th press statement a new multinational security initiative dubbed Operation Prosperity Guardian. The primary goal is to bring security, stability, and freedom of navigation to the vital sea passage for all countries. I'm sure there's some that'll be left off that list, (laughs) Russia. Uh, According to Mr. Austin, protecting commercial vessels passing through the area is a, quote, international challenge that demands collective action, end quote, immediately. Uh, He said, quote, the recent escalation in reckless Houthi attacks originating from Yemen threatens the free flow of commerce, endangers innocent mariners, and violates international law. Mr. Austin added, quote, the Red Sea is a critical waterway that has been essential to freedom of navigation and a major commercial corridor that facilitates international trade, end quote. The Pentagon chief said that, 
Here's the list of countries. Canada, France, Italy, Netherlands, Norway, United Kingdom, Bahrain, the Seychelles, and Spain would be joining the United States in this Operation Prosperity Guardian. Several other countries have also agreed to be involved in the operation, with some conducting joint patrols and other providing intelligence support in the southern Red Sea and the Gulf, Gulf of Aden. Now, uh, during the ongoing attacks by the Houthi rebels, ships have been targeted and attacked by ballistic missiles and UAVs. That's a fancy name for drones, uncrewed aerial vehicles. Of course, as a result of the danger and damage to vessels, here's where it gets tricky. Major shipping companies and oil firms have decided to suspend transit through the important Middle East trading route until further notice. Um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, by Sunday, uh, where was it? So here's what they're doing. So we've got BP, these are two big ones, and Norway's Equinor ASA just joined the uh, list of vessel owners that are passing um, a different route. They're either not going at all or they're taking a longer route around uh, the Cape of Good Hope around Africa. Um, and this is certainly going to affect the supply chain. It's going to affect cost. It's going to in add to an already skyrocketing inflation. And then now it's the uh, impetus to set up a multinational force. Um, and we know where that could lead to. Uh, there's so many angles to approach this, Charlie. But what say you? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if nothing else, we'll get a, a, a new Tom Hanks action film on the on on the hijacked boats this this look this whole thing screams manufactured to me um i get very suspicious when the united states starts starts talking about getting a group of countries together to spread freedom in the middle east whenever we do that it usually starts coming out of b-52s onto small targets and i don't like this at all i understand the geography of the area and you are putting your boats in a position where there's not a whole lot of uh, room to navigate. You've got uh, sort of narrow passages there, but this isn't breaking news. This has been going on for a long, long time. You know, maybe and this is a crazy idea, but maybe if the United States wasn't financing the Saudis to destroy Yemen, then maybe the the Houthis wouldn't be attacking ships connected to America. I mean, you know, that's a crazy idea, of course. But for us to stop manipulating the this region with our aircraft carriers and our our um, uh, sale of weapons, but uh, in the absence of that, I think that what we're going to probably see is um, is some attacks, whether real or imagined for these purposes too. And I mentioned the Gulf of Tonkin. Of that, of course, was a a non-event. Um, didn't actually happen. There were no PT North Vietnamese PT boats that were strafing this American ship, but the whole thing was manufactured. So I wonder in this new era where everybody gets their information online, I mean, how would you know any difference, Ruckus, right? If 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 uh, the nightly news came out and said, breaking news tonight, American ships have been attacked in the, you know, off of the Gulf of, you know, in the Gulf of Aden, off the coast of Yemen, uh, how would we know any differently, right? It would be the justification for us to get involved in another deeply unpopular war in order to protect commerce. So I don't love any part of this at all. And it feels ripe for manipulation to me. 
And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned this stuff goes on already before you are you saying this was happening before October 7th? <laughs> I'm shocked to hear this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point right there. Um, so but because that's the talking point here, the, the the justification for a lot of this, we're being told by the media. I mean, I can't read any article, hardly any article uh, that mentions Houthi. By itself, no. It's Iran-backed Yemen's Houthi. You know what I mean? You get the full four, the four words in there, so that everyone's clear who or what the enemy is, the future enemy uh, that is. Because yeah, it's, it's it wouldn't. It's no stretch of the imagination to say, oh, look what happened. It was the Iran-backed Yemen Houthis. We got to go into Yemen. We got to take on Iran. X Y Z. Crank up the 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 money printing for the military-industrial complex to take advantage of and. You know, the the whole thing keeps going, you know. And, so. and when should we schedule Netanyahu to make a speech before Congress where he holds up a, a new visual aid showing just how close Iran is to getting a nuclear bomb? Because he's always got the bomb with the 90 percent, you know, and it's got the little fuse and, and it's a it's a very good visual aid. But, you know, I mean, that's so 1990s, right? You'd think that they'd step up and maybe he could do a PowerPoint uh presentation showing how close Iran is to getting a nuclear bomb that they're definitely going to give to the to the uh, Houthi rebels the I'm oh, sorry Iranian backed Houthi rebels um and and you have them use against us right this 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 whole thing feels like if I didn't know any better they were trying to gin up support for um another war in that region be it um be it in Yemen or more of an involvement in the Mediterranean with the um, Israel situation. But I also wonder about this, Ruckus. I mean, on top of all of this, we have to consider the Chinese-backed Belt and Road Initiative, which also goes through this region, also uses ports in this area, and is extremely important for the future of China. So uh, any chance that America gets to um plant the seeds that this is a an air a region that is uh, inoperable for ships I, I i would suggest that they might they might uh try that strategy as well right oh yeah there's there's so many different layers uh and levels of um you know uh hidden agendas as it were um we don't know what the true ulterior motives are that are driving this operation project guardian or whatever flowerly language it was um, but it, it's it's no good. By the way, I hope that PowerPoint presentation does come, uh, and I hope it's produced by our the fine folks over at India that gave us the moon landing footage. That would be exciting. <laughs> that would be that would be perfect. You know what? It would be right on brand. Um, I look. I don't know how this whole thing is going to turn out. Probably you don't know how this is going to turn out. But we do know one thing. Expect oil prices to go up as a result of this. That is something that I think that we can most definitely take to the bank. Thanks, Ruckus. We appreciate you. I'll catch you tomorrow, okay? Thanks, Charlie. All right. We will be back on the second half of the hour. We've got Doug McKenty from The Spiritual Populist, and right after the break, Kyle Anzalone from Antiwar.com. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional 
people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism, but the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We are back with the Charlie Robinson Show. My first guest is a writer at antiwar.com. You can pick up and check out his articles there pretty much daily, or at least a couple of times a week over there. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Anzalone. Good to see you, Kyle. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's great to talk to you. I wish you and I were talking about unicorns and rainbows and not World War III, but unfortunately, that's kind of your wheelhouse over at antiwar.com. And um, I'm wondering, you guys have done great work on this. I've been watching Scott Horton get on all of the shows and talk about uh, what's happening in the Middle East in in a way that only Scott can. Um, and it's become 
it's obviously a polarizing topic. When you start talking about Israel inside the United States, you get a certain segment of the population that don't want you to even have any sort of conversation about it. How are you guys managing to even get the news out there with the amount of censorship that is happening for anybody that is critical of the American empire narrative, and particularly uh, when you guys are so critical of uh, the policies of Israel? I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good question because there is a lot of censorship, you know, in the past I have been removed from Facebook. Fortunately, I made a new account and haven't gotten kicked back off. Uh, so social media is big, especially Twitter or ads, whatever you want to call it, I think are, you know, kind of useful for uh, being able to get your message out and kind of spread it around. We also have email lists and things like that. And a lot of people that just go to antiwar.com every day. And fortunately, at least, you know, they can't really circumvent you if people are putting antiwar.com in the search bar, it goes right to the site. Uh, so that works out pretty well. But there, there is an awful lot of suppression. I mean, you know, if you look at the news guard and stuff like that, both the Institute and antiwar.com don't get a very good rating uh, from them, you know, just basically because it's a censorship thing. They're mad that we um, say the 2014 uh, coup in Ukraine was conducted, you know, with the, the backing and support of the U.S., even though there's there's a lead phone call of Victoria Newland explaining how the U.S. involvement there, uh, That that's one of the big uh, things that they pick on antiwar.com, the Libertarian Institute for. So, uh, you, you know, we do have barriers, but uh, especially at antiwar.com, we're having a fundraiser that's going very well right now. If anybody wants to go and contribute, we would really appreciate that. We have matching funds. Um, but, you know, the, there are a lot of people who want to find the truth. And uh, a lot of people know you can find it at antiwar.com. And so we've just had people seeking us out. And uh, from my understanding that as this, uh, you know, war with Israel or the, the war in Gaza and the U.S. support for Israel has ratcheted up and continued, uh, there's a lot more people coming to antiwar.com. I think we've had a lot of especially young Americans uh, wake up to the reality of what Israel is doing. You can't, you know, just going on uh, ads or whatever you want to call it, you can't, you can't ignore the war crimes that Israel is committing with U.S. made bombs. It's just, you know, there's too many obvious atrocities committed. Like just yesterday, there was a taint shell uh, that hit a maternity ward in, in southern Gaza and, uh, you know, killed a, a little child. And, and those are just kind of the inexcusable things uh, that are continuing to happen in Gaza. And when people see that, uh, they see that as antiwar.com speaking the truth, who isn't owned by the Israel lobby and could say whatever, you know, we believe is right and the truth. And so, you know, we, we get a lot of viewers that way. Yeah. Well, you guys have been doing outstanding work. I've been reading your stuff for many, many years. Um, so what do we make of this? The United States has sent Israel 15,000 bombs just since October 7th. Um, we've seen what happened in Ukraine over the last year and a half, two years. Uh, we've watched the, the United States finance and, and arm countries all around the world you would assume Israel already had, they are very military driven, and you would think that they would have plenty of bombs. Is it, What's America doing? Like, what are, what are we exactly doing by throwing gasoline onto this fire, by continuing to support this regime when they are in the process of massacring an entire population of people? Yeah, well, Israel is dropping tens of thousands of bombs at least, and they're using an AI 
uh, system known as the gospel to pick targets for them. And, and so they're just they're, they're just hitting so many targets. They're saying that, you know, used to they generate like 50 targets a month or something like that. And they're saying that this system is coming up with 100 targets a day. And, and so they do need the is U.S. arms supplies to continue, you know, laying waste to Gaza at the pace they're doing it. I, I mean, you know, you look at the images, entire neighborhoods, you know, imagine the neighborhood that you grew up in that subdivision where not only your house, but every single house has been absolutely flattened by an Israeli bomb. And, you know, those 15,000 bombs, those are just the ones we know about. The White House has not been very transparent about the arms that we have given Israel. We do know there's thousands of JDAM kits which convert unguided bombs into guided munitions. We've given them 2,000 pound bombs and international rights groups and, and even the new york times have reported that in particular is is israel's willingness to use 2000 pound bombs on densely civilian populated areas that has led to the death toll being so high and so many civilians including children being killed you know we're over 18,000 deaths now at least those are the recorded ones there's thousands of people buried under the rubble and dead and of course you know with the lack of medicine and food in Gaza we're going to start to see more deaths coming from that but 7500 children are among the 18,000 dead and those high numbers are because the US provided bombs uh and so those 5000 2000 pound bombs were a big contributor to that we've also given Israel uh 57,000 artillery rounds and i believe some of those are cluster munitions uh there is uh, a report that you could find from nbc news in the early days of the war where they do mention the u.s was sending uh cluster munitions to israel i guess as we have a shortage of 155 millimeter shells uh we're you know relying on those not only for ukraine but also for israel and then the u.s is looking to expedite a shipment of uh tank rounds to israel as well so uh those are the arms shipments we know about i'm sure there's a lot more and i'm sure there's a lot of other ongoing military support you know maintenance for the israeli planes are carrying out all these operations and so i'm sure you know tires brakes and all those parts for you know their f-16s or whatever planes they're using to cut dot these operations need to be replaced pretty frequently and, and so the u.s i'm sure is, is has a big hand in all of this yeah, it's been disgusting. And of course, the demographics of Gaza is such that 50% of the population is under the age of 18. So when you are indiscriminately dropping bombs or launching artillery shells, you never really know who you're going to hit. We'll be back on the other side of this news break with Kyle Anzalone from antiwar.com. TNT Radio News. Big news. With TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Pentagon has enlisted the support of the UK, France, and other allies to safeguard maritime traffic in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden following a spate of missile and drone attacks by Yemen's Houthi rebels. The Metropolitan Police have called on pro-Palestinian march organizers, specifically the Palestinian Solidarity Campaign, to take stronger measures against anti-Semitic expressions during their events. Henry Bryan has become the first baby in Australia born from a uterus transplant. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live.
Kyle, we understand that when these wars break off, there's unintended consequences. We're seeing the Israel-Gaza situation expand into other areas in the region, such as the Gulf of Aden. You wrote a great article talking about the Houthis attacking cargo ships in the Red Sea. Uh, who are the Houthis? Every time we, as Ruckus mentioned at the beginning of, of the show, every time we hear them, they, they have to be referred to by their proper full name, which is Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, so that you know exactly who the bad guys are is it just iran that's financing them who are these who is this group and why are we supposed to be afraid of them yeah it's funny that they you know sandwich the truth in between two pieces of propaganda there uh the uh, iranian bat is a fairly false claim they're iranian friendly uh, but if you you know you kind of look at the history of the relationship between the houthi and tehran uh, there's been a lot of advice from iran and a lot of demands that iran has made of the houthis that they have simply ignored and Yemen is a, a large country. It's a very well armed country and has been for a long time. And so, you know, there's been a lot of reports that, oh, the Houthis won't be able to, you know, mount a defense in their, you know, eight year long war against the Saudis uh, without Iranian help. But that was simply untrue. And it always was. In 20, I want to say 18, Nikki Haley was then the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. And she stood in front of a missile that they claimed uh, had Iranian components on it because a couple of the uh, words on the components were written in Farsi. What she didn't mention was that there were more components with, you know, made in, but it was written in English on those parts. So it didn't prove what they wanted to. So the Houthis aren't backed by Iran. They're also not a rebel group. You know, initially this is Ansar Allah. It's a group of Zaidi Shia that live in northern Yemen. Uh, they're kind of centered around the city of Sadat in the north of that country. Uh, but after the Yemeni government went to war with the Houthi uh, back in 2014, 14, they actually won a war against the government and took over uh, Sana'a, the capital city, and have ruled that not only the capital city of Sana'a, but about 80% of the Yemeni population. Now, if you look at a map of Yemen, most of the east of the country is, you know, unpopulated desert region. Now, there are resources there. It's not like wasteland or something like that you know there, there's oil and things like that in that territory and there's i'm sure reasons the houthi would be interested in controlling it but they do control the 80 percent of the population of yemen and have governed yemen now you know like pretty much any government in the region the houthi are not angels they uh, have some pretty oppressive rules uh, at the at the same time there are a lot of people in northern yemen who have rallied around the houthi uh based on you, you know the fact that they have pretty successfully resisted uh the saudi attempt to force a government on the people of yemen that they didn't want and so now in 2022, we have a ceasefire that finally broke out between the Saudis and the Houthis, and the, the Americans were on the side of the Saudis in that war. Uh, but since the, the Houthis have always drawn cause with the Hamas and the Palestinians in Gaza, uh, but it seems like, you know, recently they've really stepped that up and started carrying out attacks on cargo and other kind of tanker commercial ships in the Red Sea. And, uh, you know, they say they're targeting the ones with ties to Israel. As far as I could tell, most of these ships have had at least some loose tie to Israel, like a, you know, Israeli billionaire being on the board of the, the shipping company or something like that, or potentially the, the cargo was headed to Israel. And, and so they've attacked this and they've really shut down 
you know, you know, the Red Sea as a, a way to get to the Mediterranean Sea, meaning that if you're shipping from Asia, you have to go all the way around Africa to get to Europe, which is a, a pretty uh, expensive, you know, trip and detour that you have to make. So this is uh, going to be a pretty big deal. And it looks like the U.S. is getting ready to attack. Uh, they moved the USS Eisenhower out of the Persian Gulf and into, I believe it's now in the Sea of Aden, which is uh, the body of water kind of between Somalia and Yemen, uh, linking the Indian Ocean to the, the Red Sea. Kyle, I wonder how much of this plays into the Belt and Road Initiative as well with China's ambitions to reimagine that maritime route and make it uh, a, you know, a, a connection between, as you mentioned, uh, Europe through the through the up through the Red Sea and into the Mediterranean and in and uh southeast asia and, and asia in general it seems like this is a huge component to their plan and america doesn't really have a plan when it comes to countering the belt and road initiative they don't have a better plan at least it seems like their plan is to destroy and throw a monkey wrench into what the chinese are doing does this have chinese ties in any way shape and form is this um is this more than just political is it also a financial pushback as well well, I mean, certainly when you look at the reaction in Moscow, Beijing, Tehran to any, you know, kind of country that the U.S. is trying to isolate, you know, those governments see an opportunity there to extend ties and to, to form a new partner in the world. Right. And so I'm sure that, you know, China has. Uh, flirted with the Houthi and have looked at maybe doing some infrastructure projects with Yemen once the war concludes. But uh, I haven't seen any major ties. I did just see an article in Newsweek that said it's not the Iranians, it's the Chinese that are really backing the Houthi and causing the problems uh, for the Americans here. I, I don't think that's the case. You know, again, a country like Venezuela that's been isolated from the rest of the world finds partners in Iran and China and Russia. Uh, but, you know, that's a result of the American isolation, which is, I think, a, largely what the Belt and Road uh, Initiative has been is just China trying to, you know, seize that the Americans will offer a lot of developing countries loans, but on very, very uh, punitive terms for these countries. And so China saw an opportunity to at times offer not great conditions on their loans, but still better than the American ones and have been able to, you know, use that to leverage influence around the world in, in minor ways, not in the way the U.S. really wields in its influence around the world. But as far as, you know, getting countries to recognize, uh, you know, Taiwan as being Chinese Taiwan and not Taiwan as an independent or a sovereign state and things like that have gone on. So I'm sure China is interested here, but I don't think to a significant degree. Well, I wonder how this uh, plays out if we were to fast forward the tape a little bit, because this um, the idea of of ships getting attacked, but we don't really have footage of it. I get that Vietnam feeling all over again. It feels like it's right for manipulation. Do you think the United States could use this as some sort of justification to broaden into a much larger regional war? It, they certainly could. And I think it's more Republicans trying to exploit this to say, oh, look how weak the White House is, because the White House really doesn't want to reunite the war in Yemen. They really want to just 
basically protect Israel's ability uh, to have no regional consequences to carry out an ethnic cleansing in Gaza. And so they're trying to basically just, you know, keep whatever's happening on Yemen in the minimum possible like level of hostility at this point. However, if the U.S. does start conducting strikes, I imagine they escalate pretty quickly because, you know, that's the way that they see being able to dominate the globe, right, is escalation dominant. So if we start shooting at the Houthi, they're going to fire back. And, you know, one important thing to note here is that this is the Red Sea. There's a lot of American ships. And so in the past, when the Houthi have targeted, say, a commercial vessel, well, there's an American ship not too far nearby. And if you look at the capability of the Houthi missiles, a lot of these aren't cruise missiles. They're ballistic missiles. So uh, they're I don't think they're precisely guided or anything like that. It's very possible that missiles land near U.S. ships that aren't near necessarily targeting them. And so I think there is room to like kind of exploit a crisis and make it bigger. And the Republicans certainly have tried to. Yeah. Well, we might get ourselves a USS Cole incident again in the region, and they'll use that to maybe justify a much broader war. I'm not trying to put ideas in these lunatics' minds. I just think that they're probably far ahead of us over there at the Pentagon in terms of imagining how they could kickstart a war. Uh, That's Kyle Anzalone, everybody. You can go check out his work at antiwar.com. Thanks, Kyle. You're the best. We'll catch you next time. After this break, Doug McKinty from the Spiritualist Populist. We'll be back after this. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Remember that song years ago, Lunatic Fringe? I know you're out there. Believe me, I know they're out there. I simply watched these people in the climate change cabal and listened to what they say. John Kerry is out there, and I will give him credit. At least he did not say a half billion people like Hillary Clinton. But the latest is that climate change is causing respiratory problems and has killed a half million people. Now, where do these statistics come from? Are there death certificates now that say you died because of climate change? But we've got this guy from France, I guess, Francois Jimin, a professor at the University of Liège, and a specialist in environmental geopolitics. What the heck is that? He spoke on French TV about the threats of cats and dogs. Listen to this one. Cats and dogs are a disaster for the climate. A cat is a disaster for biodiversity. Do you hear that, Maisie and Shooter? And a dog is a disaster for the climate. Positive proof, folks. The lunatic fringe, except they may not be fringe anymore, is indeed out there. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog. Oh my goodness, a dog. That's a disaster for a climate. Asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out. Because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. (laughs) Do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. You have the power of information. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We're back for a final segment of the Charlie Robinson Show. My final guest You can catch him over at thespiritualpopulist.com and find out all about his work with autonomy. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug McKenty. Doug, 
great to see hey, you, Charlie. Again. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Well, thanks for being here. Um, when I get into when I see stories that are about um media manipulation social media manipulation things like that i often think about you you're all, you're always sort of at the forefront of this i saw today that media matters cool. is suing a texas attorney general over investigations uh into uh, elon musk's ex claiming to restore free speech but um, it seems that, uh, see, X has sued Media Matters, and now Media Matters is suing the Texas Attorney General, but um, Media Matters seems to be in the wrong here. I just did a, a report on them on my macroaggression show last week. Sean, this is just a shakedown racket. This is a group that goes around saying, nice flower shop here. It'd be a shame if something bad happened to it, right? I mean, is this, right. <laughs> is this, what, we, is this what we've got with groups like Media Matters that they pretend to be pro-free speech, but then when you open up the hood and dig inside, they're anything but? Yeah, I mean, the gaslighting has gotten so bad, right? It's so bad. Um, these people that are just making claims about, about how our our movement, let's say, Russian disinformation, hate speech, uh, whatever it is, to, to try to silence us, um, they just go after it. And they always just have this presumption that, that true information comes from the government, uh, government and corporate sources. And everything else is just disinformation, and you're not allowed to disagree. Um, and it's amazing that people listen to these guys. Like it actually blows me away. I mean, they never debate, right? They don't debate with us. <laughs> they won't teach our history in public schools. You know, they won't talk about uh, our, our perspectives. They just call us names and then claim that we're spouting disinformation. Um, and unfortunately, you know, governments and corporations around the world are spending hundreds of millions and billions of dollars setting up a censorship apparatus based on these wild claims just so that they can push their narrative and they can silence the rest of us um and it's working unfortunately it's been working for a while yeah media matters has been doing this for um for a long time they they set their sights on a particular group and then target their advertisers as a as a way of cutting off the essentially the blood supply to the organization right. if you can get them to to have to scramble to find advertisers in order to pay, make payroll next month then you've got them not focusing on a lot of other things and it also it's a very effective message you know to show to people in the future hey listen you get on the wrong side of us we'll give you the the twitter treatment right or what we what we did to Elon Musk when he gets on stage and with Andrew Ross Sorkin and says you know, that these advertisers are responsible for the destruction of this platform. And when Twitter goes out of business, you know, they'll be the ones uh, that will take the blame for it. But I don't even know that that matters. Do you think the general public is even smart enough to recognize that a group like Media Matters is basically working as a racketeering organization? and gathering sponsors and and using this as a as a form of extortion in order to get the the sort of speech from this platform that they desire instead is the general public capable of figuring this out or is this just going to go right over their heads right i mean that's you know that's exactly why i've been spending the last year or so focusing on how to monetize content creators learning the marketing and the business ends of uh, the angles on this because I've been doing my own podcast for multiple years and just couldn't monetize it. Right. 
And I mean, what we're seeing right now with Media Matters and Twitter and Elon Musk is the macrocosm of the fight that content creators like you and I were having in, in 2016 when Google and uh, YouTube and Facebook and the social media platforms all started uh, using the algorithms rather than organic growth to control the information that we see on their platforms. And what happened at that point and I started my podcast, which people can check out. It's not super active right now, but theshiftnow.com. It was The Shift with Doug McKenty uh, in 2017. And in that environment, that's there was no way I was monetizing. I mean, they were throwing and shadow banning everything that I put out as soon as I put it out. Um, but what ended up happening was all of these content creators like you and I, Charlie, uh, a lot of them were monetizing with Google ads and with uh, the YouTube monetization programs that, and they all just got demonetized right away. Uh, Google pulled the ads, uh, YouTube pulled their monetization process. Uh, and a lot of people that had been able to make a living doing this, getting the word out, having a different opinion, uh, they just went out of business, you know, there's no way that you get all of us still have to eat. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, and that I think that's had a way a more profound impact on the scene um, than most people realize. And certainly the general public. I mean, that's, you know, to, to your second point about the general public, Charlie, it's like we're going up against fifth generation warfare, psychological operation tactics that I mean, you know, that they've spent, again, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars developing on how to manipulate the masses. I don't, how are we going to win this? Um, which is why my focus has really been on developing the parallel economy, what we're calling the parallel economy, right? Where yeah. those of us that are just, hey, stop using the corporate system, stop using the government system. I call it the corporate government complex these days because the left-right paradigm tries to split these things apart when obviously they're working together hand in glove, like there's really no difference between the two. Uh, but most people can't figure that out either. They think the government protects them from the corporations and the corporations are some kind of free market. When just like you're pointing out with media matters, it's actually a protection racket, a cartel that shuts down competition, you know, <laughs> and uses the government to do it. Um, yeah. It's hilarious so, to me, Doug, that 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 they're out they're out on the streets protesting against fascism when they can't see the actual fascism that's happening right in front of their eyes. This blending of of the government with big business to benefit the government. I don't know. Maybe a case could be made. It's corporatism for the benefit of the corporations. Who cares? In both cases, the government and the corporations are getting what they want. The corporations are yeah. locking out people with monopolies. I remember going to a Narcopulco in 2019 and talking to Josh Sigurdsson. He does a runs a show called World Alternative Media, and we were talking about the censorship from YouTube and the demonetization precisely. And he was telling me the sorts of numbers in terms of views that they were getting and the ad revenue that they were collecting on a monthly basis. And it was staggering until it turned off and it turned off all at once mm. with this with this algorithmic shift. And so, you know, right. it's interesting that, you know, it's one thing we can complain about it. And I'd, I'd say I have a PhD in complaining about this stuff by this point. But but again, <laughs> if we don't have solutions, it doesn't really do you much good, right? So one of the things I like about um, what you're doing, you're working over there with Richard Grove and the autonomy crew, you guys are actually talking about how do we fix this? Not, not how do we fix the system? The system's unfixable. How do we build a different 
mousetrap and attract people over exactly. to this way of thinking. That to me feels very revolutionary and doable. So what are you guys doing over there? What are you working on right now with uh, with the crew at Autonomy? Well, well, I mean, Richard's got kind of the flagship Autonomy class that he does twice a year. The next one starts on March 15th. He, he de-indoctrinates of thinking. He focuses on the trivia method to teach people about logical thinking and how to apply it. Uh, and then he gets into actually uh, things like social media management or web design or how to build your own, how to, how to run an email court, you know, uh, an email marketing campaign, uh, how to build your email list, like how to start a small online business where you're selling your own passion really. And you're becoming a part of the parallel economy. Um, and so also we're offering at it's reason, the university of reason.com. There's, I think 32, 31, 32 different courses from guys like John Bush or Derek bros. A lot of people that, you know, Charlie, um, and this, the course I think is a great way to monetize for a lot of us at this point, because you're selling a digital asset that you can produce. It's a one-time expense, and then you can sell them for a couple hundred dollars a piece. So going in the direction of the courses and being able to market your your content and get it distributed out there and have a course maybe as a way to monetize among other things um is really a, a great way to move forward so we're actually at autonomy starting to offer this whole complete package like if you're interested in starting an online business work from home participate in the parallel economy we're building this network of other people that are doing the same thing. And some of them are like me, they're the social media marketers, or some of them are the web designers, or some of them are going to be your video editors. And you can start working with these people right away. Once you take the autonomy course, not only do you get access to all the other courses in at the University of Reason, um, but you also get access to the network of other people. So we're building a large network of people um, that can work together towards building this parallel economy. Just to get back to what you were talking about, the general public, this way, I mean, it would be great, you know, maybe in six months or a year from now, enough people are going to wake up and, and suddenly uh, things are really going to start changing. I think they could change pretty fast, even if only 10% of the population or so really, you know, made a stand against the massive corruption, right? Yeah. But um, because of the propaganda, because of what we're up against, um, I think it's a safer bet to just take matters into your own hands, start figuring out how to live off the grid, live sustainably, develop a network of people who who think like-minded um, and get all your necessities from them, you know, herbal herbal medicines in the network or Tai Chi classes or yoga classes or, you know, help the health, health benefits, but also uh, sustainable living, right? Um, just whatever, wherever your passion is, actually, there's a place for you to turn that into a course or products that you're developing that you can sell through the network. And yeah. that gives you distribution. And if you're making yeah. these courses and distributing the courses, that gives you monetization. Yeah, I think that we need to start. We we need to think differently about this. You know, I, I complained about the tech censorship for a while, but I have to be honest, it's forced me to be better at uh, networking, distributing my content in different ways. Right. I probably, you know, I was I was a little late to the YouTube game. Uh, it was there was no point things had changed before you know before i yeah. i got to the point where i was putting my content on there by the time i did you know it was it was exactly it was it was too off. late yeah it's too late that but i love too. this 
Yeah, I love this because there's opportunities here. As you see society changing, we understand the financial world is changing. We're sort of going through a, uh, an unsustainable period. I, I, you know, I've met a lot of these people at at different events, especially in Arcapulco, and they're talking about, you know, listen, you can't deal with a, a bank in the United States these days is like pulling teeth, right? They, they ask you too many questions. Right. They're, they're too sketchy. Uh, they they presume that you're the criminal when they themselves are all convicted felons, which is hilarious to me. Right. So the idea of getting around this, Doug, there's going to be massive opportunities, will there not be? I mean, in the in the remnants of this this collapsing society, uh, I hate to I hate to profit. I mean, the idea of profiting while society is is breaking down seems gross. But but more right. than anything, well, we got to eat. Just, we got to eat, Charlie. You got to eat, right? You, but move <laughs> yourself out of the direct line of fire and 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 put your position yourself accordingly, so that when this catastrophe and this reimagining of society happens, there's going to be some massive opportunities, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't agree more about what you're talking about having to up your game. And that's where, you know, I I kind of came into this kicking and streaming. It's sort of funny because I know you actually have a background in marketing and then you started into the history and the content creation. And I I studied, you know, political philosophy uh, and, and came at it more from like this artistic perspective where I didn't want to involve myself in the business or and marketing seems so uh, inauthentic, right? I mean, you know, right. the classic sort of complaints yeah. that people have. And then well, I, after three years of twiddling my thumbs doing a podcast, I mean, over, uh, I think I got 150 episodes uh, up on the website now and not, you know, not seeing hardly anything coming of it. It was like, okay, I've got to re-strategize. And I realized, yeah, we have to beat them at their own game. I mean, we have to be really pro about how we market and how we distribute our stuff. And um, it's been a really actually a very interesting journey. Now I enjoy like trying to figure out these kind of complex systems of how to integrate social media marketing with email marketing and my my end game would be to develop a, a big affiliate network with guys like you, Charlie, where we're all helping sell each other's products, right? And then, yeah. you know, if you have enough people in the affiliate network participating and our reach maybe is in the millions instead of your podcast that maybe is reaching 50,000 people or something, um, you know, if you're lucky uh, or your email list that maybe has 10,000 people on it, if you're lucky. Um, suddenly if we can combine forces then maybe we have an opportunity. I mean, one of the things that COVID did do for me was I realized that I think something like 20, you know, 75% of the people got the vaccine, right. And 25% didn't, at least here in the United States. And that's still 30 million people. That's a pretty large demographic of people that weren't paying attention, even at the beginning of the push for the vaccine. Uh, and that's our target demographic. And if we started selling, you know, our products to them, our content attached to a solid monetization strategy. Uh, we've got a lot of people that can start to participate here so we can make a good living doing things like this, getting the word out, warning people about what's going on, exposing the corruption. Um, and in that way, you know, more and more people can do it because we can make a living doing it. 
Um, it's going to force us to, you can to start to, a movement. Maybe <laughs> it's going to force us to be better at what we do. And there, and yeah. we're, we're going to look back on this and be grateful for the experience. If you guys want to reach out to Doug, you can check out his website, the spiritual That's a great place to find him, to support his work. Doug, you any should, other places? Yeah. You should actually check out the shiftnow.com. The spiritual populace was a concept that didn't quite come together. And, and now okay. uh, that I'm working with Richard, then you can check him out at uh, getautonomy.info uh, or universityreason.com. Thanks, Doug. And big thanks to Kyle Anzalone in the first segment. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't burn this place down while I'm gone. Take care.